Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. I don't know. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> Penn State football wins 35-31 over Purdue in one of the wildest finishes to a game that I've seen in quite some time. We are officially, it is technically the second day of the Penn State football season. It's September 2nd, and I already don't know anything about this football team. So many different things about this game did not go the way that any of us expected. Uh, Purdue, they put up, Penn State put up 35 points, but Purdue played a relatively solid game in the secondary. That was not a good secondary last year. Uh, Penn State's offensive line, they ran the ball about eight times in the second half after trying to prove a point in the first half. That was, I, I, I said that was, this game plan coming to this game was a statement. And it was, it was, it was a, uh, I think the statement was a four letter word followed by you that we all say when we're upset at people who have been telling us for a while, we can't do something. Um, so I never know how to start these things. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. This is the BWI daily, uh, the BWI live post game show. I'm here riding solo. Tom Hannafin's going to be back for next week, but um, where do you want to start? Because midway through the third quarter, maybe into, into the fourth quarter, I was preparing a speech here. You can't stay with Sean Clifford. You can't you can't do it anymore. They were unable to put up points in the second half. And then he goes on one of the one of the fastest, craziest, wildest drives that I've seen in a while. And and Purdue, it, I wouldn't even say that these are things that are surprising. The plays themselves were pretty standard for Penn State football plays. They had their tight end out in the boundary. They ran a screen pass to Keandre Lambert-Smith. They followed that up later with the Tyler Warren run through where they fake that, and then they go up the seam. And, like, we've seen these plays time and time and time again. And and it worked. And the biggest thing to me on that drive, by the way, was Mitchell Tinsley throwing him that stop route in the open field and letting him run with the ball in his hands. He had not had the opportunity to do that throughout the game. Uh, I've got post-game notes. I kind of want to tear them up because they're, they're they're all over the place. 
Parts of this game, the first half is entirely different than the second half. Joey Porter Jr., a different player came out of the locker room at halftime. Uh, the, the the Penn State defensive secondary in general was a crazy, it's all over the place. It's all over the place when it comes to how they performed tonight. There were some pretty bad moments. And yet I think they're going to finish with like eight, nine pass breakups. They were all over it when they were on. But when they were not on, it was not good. And this is something that we did talk about going into the game of Purdue's going to get their yards. They're going to get their points. This is a good team, uh, especially Aiden O'Connell is a good football player. He's a good quarterback. So good quarterbacks find uh, the, the the receiver, right? But the way it was happening in the first half was, was very surprising. The fact that Joey Porter Jr. was giving up these man coverage plays was, was incredibly surprising. Um, so that's just the opening statement of I don't know. Here we go. Let's talk about it. So we're we're going to we're going to go through your questions. We got some donations to the channel already. So thank you so much already. And by the way, uh, we need to take. Speaking of load management, Mike he's been a, a warrior for the channel. So if you haven't donated before, give this guy uh, and his wallet a break. Now, Mike, I'm not saying that you should stop donating, but like let's help him out, okay? Help out the channel. Appreciate Mike. Um, but let, let's get some more people. Let's get some more regulars. I want to get some more people that I can thank and get to know. Uh, but this is the BWI live post game show, taking your questions, breaking down, analyzing things in in the uh, throughout the game, answering your questions here on YouTube. Um, let's set a goal tonight. I'm going to give you some homework. Five hundred likes is what we want for this video. That's that's not a hard goal. We we have thousands of people watching this video. Five hundred likes is not a big deal. We're getting there tonight after Penn State, a bananas game. That game was was so crazy. It was two different games within the same one. Penn State had an entirely different game plan. Right before Sean Clifford threw that interception, Penn State had run the ball six times in the second half. They'd run the ball six times in the first seven plays of the game. So I, I just, I think they came in trying to prove a point. And then at halftime, when they had the 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 uh, the lead, they came out, don't get what they want initially. Sean Clifford is doing what he's doing. He comes back into the game. Whatever happened at halftime where he went in the locker room, I, I don't know at this point. Um, I'm sure we'll find out something. James Franklin will be asked about that at some point in the postgame uh, interview, which you can hear when it's up here on YouTube, by the way. You can check that out. Um, but I got to get to your questions. So uh, Mike says, we didn't win until I was curled up in the corner of my couch. People talk about James Franklin and bad clock management, but Brom, that was not good at the end of the game. Yeah, that last drive was not good clock management uh, by by this Purdue team. But in <laughs> I don't even, it's so hard to know, like, is that the reason they lost this game? Is that the reason? Uh, because they had it in the bag. They got a pick six. Or is it that their defense completely failed them after being pretty good all night? Uh, and, and we also have to adjust our expectations here, by the way. 30 points is the threshold for a good night for a football team on offense. Both teams got there. Purdue just got there. Just got 31 points on the night. So I, it's, I, I just think that uh, it was a decent game by both teams. But Purdue's defense finally showed up in the second half. Uh, let's get to some of the yes. David brings up a great point: drops, 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 and dropped pick sixes. So Joey Porter Jr. Let's just get into this part. Early in the game, they were running quick game against Penn State's press man coverage. They were just running slants. There wasn't anything particularly special. They were just getting to the inside, getting inside leverage, and catching the football. And a couple of times, Joey Porter Jr. basically caught the ball for the other team, for Penn State, and then the receiver caught the football. And then there were a couple of times in the beginning of this game. And this is what I said about Aiden O'Connell. He does not care. He'll throw Joey Porter Jr. eight times in one drive if that's where the read goes. And it worked early. But then, Joey Porter Jr., I, through my notes, I just have, I'm going to look this up. JPJ PBU is how I had it uh, in my notes. He had four in the second half, four pass breakups in the second half. And, and my notes are sloppy, by the way. So there might be more than that. Um, 
Penn State had so many opportunities to get their hands on the football. So it was not a good night by Aiden O'Connell, which is why I think Penn State won that game. But still, there are those moments in the game, third and seven, third and 14, just in in breaking routes. For some reason, Penn State's coverage uh, tonight, and, and I'm not quite sure exactly what it is in those situations because Manny Diaz selectively was trying to go from crazy kamikaze blitz switch it up and then run coverage and a couple of those plays late in the game uh they are they're rolling into a coverage Aiden O'Connell sees it he hits the end breaking route and they get a first down so it, it was a back and forth battle between between those two and it was probably a rougher night than Penn State fans wanted from the defense but it was a winning effort with the amount of times they got their hands on the football Ryan says the game took three to five years off my life, but a win is a win much uh, to improve before Ohio comes to town. I will agree with you there. And I'm sure we're going to get into the offensive line. And I have some thoughts. Um, a lot of them deal with the running backs still weren't breaking tackles guys. There were some decent running lanes. There's some good blocks, especially early in the game when they decided to run the football and the running backs, even the young guys, they were not breaking tackles the way they needed. But when the receivers broke tackles, did you notice that when the receivers broke tackles, Mitchell Tinsley breaks a tackle and it's a game-changing play. Brenton Strange breaks a tackle and he goes for a touchdown. Keandre Lambert-Smith breaks a tackle, he goes for a touchdown. That is the part of the offense that was missing last year as well. Those plays. And that's where that secondary for Purdue, I thought, I thought there'd be more coverage busts, more mistakes, more just wide-open receivers. And there might have been but for the most part of the night, and this is getting into the, like, I don't have a narrative coming out of the game because Sean Clifford was not good for three quarters of the game. His pocket awareness was poor. He Indiana that football right to them for a pick six late in the game. And uh, generally was kind of a limiter on the offense for a good portion of the night. And then they just get in the pocket. They start dealing and they get a couple of big plays. So, so I was ready to come on here and say, how, how do we continue to watch this? <laughs> well, that's how they, they beat Purdue 35, 31. That's by the way, two big 10 openers that have gone down to the wire for Penn state in, in big ways. Um, and, and coming into this game, this is another thing that you learn your lessons, right? You learn, hopefully you learn your lessons when you go through an experience and, during training camp, I only got a couple of opportunities to watch Chop Robinson. Some of them were in one-on-one -on -one passing situations, uh, you know, in pass rushing drills with the with the offense. And Bryce Effner, who, by the way, became the starting tackle at the end of the game, was, was handling him in those situations. He was going through a drill, and he did not look good. Like, functionally, the way he was moving looked alarming. And then he's the guy that leads the pass rush here for Penn State. Not only gets the game-winning sack, but was actually providing pressure regularly for this team. It was not enough to handle the Purdue offense, but it was enough to push Aiden O'Connell off the spot and get him into what we talked about, into being a little bit less accurate, throwing the ball into those windows. It's just the Penn State defense stopped. Uh, they couldn't catch a cold tonight. Uh, Steven says, 35 points, I'll take it. And this was my biggest this was my biggest worry speaking of predicting this game. I had 34 as the prediction, but I did not feel comfortable or confident with this offense getting over 30 points in this game because it it, it was not a very good offense for most of the day. They got those explosive plays though. So going back to what James Franklin talks about when he talks about uh explosive plays, turnovers, those things changing the game. That is what Penn State got in this situation, and they almost got bit with it, you know? They almost got it on, on the back end with the turnover by, by Sean Clifford where, I mean, we all saw that, right? I, I don't need to break that play down. It, it was a good route. It was a good play call, and it was a clean pocket. And he just kind of airmailed it. And that's, that's where I want to go with the offensive line because... This is kind of a stream of consciousness, by the way. This is what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be kind of doing this because I, I don't have a chance right now doing both things tonight to to dig into your comments or to to have a, a ton of of this stuff. So I'm trying to catch as many good ones as I can. By the way, um, the offensive line. 
for the most part, had good pass protection. Caden Wallace was struggling. And and 44 for Purdue, I watched him play football last year. He's gotten better. That's always what you got to understand is like players do get better. And I did not view him as a player that was going to be a factor as a pass rusher. And I don't know that he should have been, but he was. So Bryce Effner comes into the game, who, by the way, did not play in the spring and was, for all intents and purposes, we had considered him a, a non-participant this season for Penn State football. That was kind of what we were gathering. And then he's in camp, he's performing, and now he comes in and seals the deal as the right tackle coming in. Because you need your pass-blocking tackle, by the way. You need your run-blocking tackle and your pass-blocking tackle. And, man, that was that was wild to watch that happen. And I don't know what happens beyond this game at that right tackle position because it's an area that everybody was concerned about. And, and I was giving Caden Walsh the option to get better. I was giving him the opportunity to improve on what he was last year. And tonight was a bad game as a pass protector. And this is when it doesn't matter how good of a run blocker you are. If you get into one of these situations, you both tackles need to be able to pass protect. And he had to come out of the game because he, he was not able to do that. So uh, Penn State, luckily, uh, James Franklin made that decision. Phil Troutwine made that decision. Those are good decisions to make to pull the guy that is not pass blocking well and to to get somebody else in there who can hold up and give you uh, some some more protection. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So we got a lot of questions, too, about the offensive line, the interior of, of, the, of the offensive line, better competition, better players. And Sal Wormley was the right guard all night. I I don't I didn't watch 100% of every play, but the rotation was not with Wormley. The rotation was Hunter Norzad on the left side with uh, Landon Tangwall, which is something that kind of cropped up at the end of training camp of some rumblings that maybe he didn't have as good of a training camp. And and I kind of put it to the side. I did not because I, I am very high on his potential, but this is the whole point that Hunter Norzad came into the game because they wanted guys they felt were going to play the best. Now, there could be a thousand other things going on, but they rotated early in the game, and then Norzad was a, was a huge factor in the second half. Uh, Mike says, we didn't win. Uh, oh, we got to this one already. Sorry. I wanted to get to this one from Mike. <laughs> Drops by everyone. Play calling, dialing, uh, not dialing up easy throws. Defense not getting pressure. 11 years on my life and a euphoric and confused feeling. <laughs> I, I think that's the theme tonight. Everyone aged. It's like uh, it's like Benjamin Button, except it's not backwards. It's just, no, no, it's like uh, it's like Indiana Jones where they all die at the end and their, their hair grows long and they get old. That's how everyone feels tonight. And secondly, um, the offensive discoordination for a good part of the game, that's not what we were, that's not what we were sold, Right. That's not what we were saying. Year two in this offense, things were going to work better. But I come back to, especially on the offensive side of the ball, watching some of the run blocking up front. I thought it was decent. And you're supposed to, like, this offensive line was never going to be elite. You just needed a point, give your guys the ability to run through lanes. And Penn State switched it up. They they ran counter. They ran man. They ran zone. They ran inside zone, outside zone. They ran everything tonight, and and some of it was pretty effective. Some of the pulling was pretty effective. I thought Bretton Strange did a decent job as a lead blocker in a couple of different situations, but the running backs didn't break enough tackles early, and that's why the, the offense really didn't produce anything. Once again, 3.1 yards per carry, and uh, I don't believe we even have too many sacks tonight to take that take that volume down to take that rushing volume down. So it was just straight up another bad night, 32 carries for 98 yards. 
the Penn State offensive line is once again going to be the whipping boy of this particular situation. But there's a couple of situations. Uh, give you an example. Sal Wormley was able to get to his block, right? He's able to get his block. It's it's a reach block on, on an outside zone. But the running back cut inside against the formation, against what the what the blocking scheme is trying to do. And he picks up some yards, but that's that's not necessarily where the ball was supposed to go. So the offensive line looks bad in that situation. It was not a good block. I should I should clear, be, be clear. It was not a good block. But at the same time, um, there were other plays that they were able to execute reasonably well. You've got to be able to break a tackle if you're in the hole with a guy. Katron Allen got smushed by that safety uh, on that third down run. Smushed. Now... They were he he had a lot of good plays in the game, but this is kind of what we're talking about. Of that, that's where you got to generate those extra plays in the in the run game and in the pass game. You've got to find a way to get extra yards. Um, got a lot of these backing up, so I'm going to run through a lot of these. Showtime says Sean Clifford <laughs> from goat to glory defense B plus special teams B plus gutsy win. I'm an old man. Good night. Hey, Showtime, I hope you're watching this on replay. I appreciate the donation to the channel. If you want to be like Showtime, you want to donate to the BWI uh, channel, we would greatly appreciate that so we can do live post-game shows so I can have someone to talk to. I love talking to you guys, and and we're working, by the way, on getting a, a phone system so you can call in. Wasn't able to get it set up for this week, but that's where that money's going towards is uh, you know people here with me phones be able to talk to you we'll be getting all that stuff and appreciate the donations to the to the channel and a banger of a first night like as far as intrigue goes you guys wouldn't be here if this was a 35 to 15 game like if purdue got blown out but i i see you here in in the chat tonight is this a good offense i don't know i don't want to say that it's a good offense yet because there were some significant problems for large stretches of the game where there was not a lot of cohesive um, offense, you know, like just the, the offense did not flow very well. It was another herky jerky performance. And part of that I think is just Clifford. The, the, still here, here's another situation. I'm just pulling these things from memory. One of the runs that was blown up for no gain, Catron Allen it Sean Clifford's changing the play at the very last second. There's like five seconds on the play on the play clock. So he hands the ball off. Everyone's rushed and Catron Allen gets tackled at the line of scrimmage. I think maybe he loses a yard or it's nothing. Those are the things that a fifth year quarterback is supposed to be able to do is run the, uh, the offense effectively and not get yourself into the situations. Corey, says, let's talk about Barney. Barney Amore was great tonight. And this is something I was on a different show pregame. And they were talking about giving grades to the special teams. And, and because Jordan Stout was gone, we're going to give the special teams a D. And I disagree with that because we don't know anything about Barney Amore. I've seen him punt in practice, but I'm not really paying attention to the punter that all, all that much in practice. I'm trying to look at the players that are going to be on the field 95% of the time. He was great tonight. They had that one mental gaffe that had the touchback. But other than that, he put the ball exactly where it was supposed to be. Chuck says, here's what we learned from the game. PSU still can't run the ball. Receivers need stick them. And tackling needs work. Made a small Iowa transfer wideout look like an All-American. I have a hard time disagreeing with any of that stuff. I have a hard time poking holes in any of what the clouds have to say about this. Tackling was an issue in the game. Uh, tackling is usually an issue at the beginning of the season. But yards after contact and, and not just not just like missed tackles. There were some missed tackles tonight, but yards after contact were also a huge problem for Penn State on on the night. Uh, I'm seeing I'm keeping track, by the way, 150 likes. Appreciate that. We're going we're going big tonight. We're going 500 minimum for the show. There's 600 of you right here right now hanging out with me, watching, uh, talking about this game. So we can get to 500 easy. Just hit a like on the video. If you want to be like uh, all of our superstars here, like Justin Hughes, who's donating the channel. Appreciate you so much. Thank you, Justin. He's new. He's new. He's a new donator. I appreciate that for people who come in on the show, supporting the channel. Um, that changed our entire season. 
then there's a there's a there's a comment above that about Daquan Hardy being a hero that I can't put on screen, but Daquan Hardy was fantastic tonight. He was excellent. And when you so we'll get into some of the advanced stats later in the week at bluewhiteillustrated.com. By the way, you can sign up for just a dollar and get 12 months of access to that insider information. We're going to look at how many pass breakups Penn State had when you look at the official advanced stats because Hardy was all over the ball. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. in the second half. And that's the change in this situation was Joey Porter Jr. started denying some of those easy passes that they were getting early in the game. He was just using those condor-like arms and batting the ball away. And again, I thought he got some of those ticky-tack sort of uh, calls in the game. You saw a lot of holding and grabbing tonight. That was in focus by the, by the, uh, the TV crew how much everyone was grabbing. Here's a secret. That's just college football. That's how all corners play. All corners bear hug people at the, at the catch point. Everybody does that. I, I don't know what else to say about that. So when a guy has, has a receiver by the nameplate, but it's not impeding the route and it's just him connecting to the player, he's just keeping that connection. And you call pass interference on that because it's the back shoulder throw and it looks bad. Technically, sure, you can call that. But I thought that that was kind of a ticky-tack play. Now, um, later in the game, he was able to deny a lot of those quick game passes, and Penn State started to be able to jump some of those routes. And when they were able to do that, that's when they were they were able to corral this particular game and, and keep Penn State in it while their offense searched for an answer. Um Steven here with us. He says Clifford uh, Franklin said Clifford had cramps like Lamar Jackson cramps where he's going to the bathroom. <laughs> Cause that's, that's another one of those situations where th that was another theory on the night. Uh, Philip says, appreciate all the great content. Philip, uh, thank you so much for donating to the, to the channel. Thank you for the compliment. Uh, I appreciate that. Doing our best here tonight to get all of your questions, all your thoughts on the show. I kind of want to get some of the questions here. Uh, did we talk the offensive line yet? I've gone over it, but I don't know that you're going to get your pound of flesh from me because two things. First off, there's a lot of stuff flying at you trying to do live analysis. And I'm going through the majority of what's the run? What's the point of attack? What did the running back do? And what about the blockers at the point of attack? For the most part, I thought they were pretty good. Early in the game, they came off the ball, and a couple of guys were getting some really good blocks. Um, in particular, Tangwall was doing pretty well early in the game. He he got some pretty good blocks getting to the second level, some good double teams, some good movement, by the way, from Caden Wallace and Sal Wormley on the right side. Did they give him did they give the 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 running backs Mac truck lanes? They did not. But they were functional lanes and that's where again I get I put it back on on the running back so you've got to make a little bit more out of those situations and I gotta say this situation with the running backs and rotating and rotating and rotating and rotating I'm typically not a guy that cares too much about that but I care now because it it was ineffective Katron Allen looked good for a minute uh and then he had a couple places where he wasn't good and then the drives over he comes off the field Kevon Lee's a, a decent running back but you got to get Nick Singleton on the field more now he was early in the game the guy that had the most carries so he he was hot out the gates nine carries and eventually led to 22 yards and I think nine of those were on one run Katron Allen your leading rusher at the end of the game eight carries for 31 yards a whopping 3.9 yards per carry I just don't think that those that's good enough. I don't think it's good enough that you have eight, nine, and nine as your distribution of carries. This has to work itself out because you get in the same situation where you are in the second half where Penn State threw the ball the majority of the time. Sean Clifford still landed with 37 attempts. And this is one of the things I said coming to this game is I don't think that this can be a duel of 60-year quarterbacks. And that's what it turned into. Caden O'Connell, or sorry, um, Aiden O'Connell had 58 passing attempts, 58 passing attempts and only one touchdown. So for as much as it was, and I know they, they ran the ball in from short yardage a couple of times, that is a, uh, 
uh, a recipe for success if you can give, you keep a quarterback with almost 400 yards passing to one touchdown. Aller looks steady and confident. Two things. The team was right to put him in at least as the backup. He needs to play a lot next Saturday. Again, all of these things I was pushing back on all offseason of let him learn. Don't put him in too early. That was a dime he threw to Tyler Warren. He looked confident. He looked good. I agree. Uh, that was part of my speech here that I had to throw out once Clifford saved his job. <laughs> was that like, okay, we need to move on. We've seen enough. Sean Clifford, when it comes to the, the, the big moment, he's going to backpedal, throw off his back foot, and that's what you get. But then he saved his job. So, yes, next week against Ohio, lots of Drew Aller. And I'll even, I'll meet you halfway. Play him in the first half, too. I'm here, hot take guy tonight. I'm not saying he's going to start next week, but yeah, play him in the play him, play him in the second half, give, uh, in the first half. Give him the opportunity to uh, to have some meaningful plays. I need to get to this guy because holy cow, Corey! I don't want to zoom by this. I want to say uh, I want to say thank you for this, but we have a, a donation here. I don't know if anyone's going to top this tonight. Feel free to try, but uh, Rob. See if I can throw it in here. Rob is the man. He just put in a hundred bucks on the channel. Uh, Rob, did you did you win something tonight? Did you have did you bet the over? Because halfway through the game, here you are, Rob. Rob with a hundred bucks on the channel tonight. Appreciate you so much, Rob. Thank you so much. I'm gonna get to everybody else, but I gotta know, Rob. Did you put some money on the game? Did you just win like a lot? Because if that's the case, uh, thanks for throwing some cheddar our way. Um, I didn't give you any of those tips. You know that. I know that. I, I did not give you any. Because I said halfway through the game, hope you didn't bet the uh, bet the over. Penn State, by the way, at one point, I think they had the ball for 65, 75% of the first half. Like their goal seemed to be to keep Purdue off the football field. And it worked. And then they just went with a different game plan in the second half. Uh, David says, Nick is that guy, T. Frank. Secondary is great. Purdue, quick slants, et cetera, were killing because the D-line wasn't getting pressure. But the second best uh, scheme we'll see all year only to Ohio State. I agree with that from a passing perspective. And that's what I, one of the things coming into this game is they're going to get theirs. Aiden O'Connell's a good quarterback. I tried to warn people, like, you're going to look at Purdue and say, ah, it's Purdue. Aiden O'Connell was the best quarterback in the Big Ten last year. C.J. Stroud, all due respect to him, like as far as he's an elite talent with elite talent around him, playing at elite talent level. But Aiden O'Connell, with doing what he did with the tools he had and and the way he was playing the game from a mental standpoint, you saw some of that tonight. There's just some throws that you go, I, I don't know what to say. He got it. I mean, even the even the one to Peyton Durham that was incomplete, throwing off on the run is not his game. And, and he was able to make that happen. Now, I still, by the way, here's something I wanted to say before the game, and I'm going to look like that guy now. But uh, speaking of Nick Singleton, he still looks skinny. He's 220 pounds, and he still looks skinny. I think he's going to get into a position later in his career where he's going to be a monster, but we're still not there yet from a physical perspective. He's explosively fast. He runs hard. But there were a couple times both he and Katron just buried their head. And I love the finish of the game. But keep your eyes up. Keep your head up. And, and stay on your feet. You know, I think there's more to get out of the ground game from those guys. And I think that's encouraging that Penn State was able to get through the game with a lot of the things they needed to have go right that did not go right tonight. Um, Brian says... Anybody have any nitroglycerin? Uh, no, I, I'm. I, you need anything else? This is pure adrenaline for everybody tonight. Um, the freshmen that played. So I, I'm trying to remember everybody that played. I was surprised that Amari Evans got into the game. Now he wasn't targeted, but he was a guy that I had clearly as somebody who was going to redshirt because he was still learning the position, was making a lot of mental errors in the spring. But apparently this summer was very good for him. And he was one of the guys they're putting out there, especially given that everyone was dropping the football tonight. So putting a freshman in, uh, Drew Aller looked very good. He only had he only had a couple of plays, and they were there were some pretty safe plays in there, right? So one of his passes is a screen, run the ball, and then throw a great 
pass in between two defenders. And that was a great play by six. Uh, I think it's Jalen Green is his name, where that's a that from what I remember, that's cover three. And most of the time, college defenders in the underneath coverage in those situations, they just stay in their zone like this is my, I, I'm, I'm guarding this area and they don't actually flow with the play. They don't backfill to where the routes are. And he squeezed that window so much that that Tyler Warren dropped the ball. But that was a really good throw by Drew Aller. And this is something I wanted to bring up. We didn't get to this at the start because Sean Clifford saved the day. But that interception is another example of one of those situations where they've done this a lot. So you've got linebackers and safeties and you got the hole in the middle between the two, right? That's the zone you're trying to attack in between where the players are in zone coverage. And I've watched them practice what they call one inch throws a lot. You're trying to get the ball over the tip of the, the linebacker's hand right here, an inch over his hand, get it down in and get it to the receiver. And Sean Clifford was up here on that throw. And then you, you look in comparison to what Drew Aller was doing on that throw one inch over the head of the defender into that window. And I'm not saying that, that, you know, I'm not saying yet because Sean Clifford saved his job tonight that Sean Clifford should go to the bench and that Drew Aller is clearly better. We don't know what we don't know about Drew Aller, but those are two throws that are illuminating to me of seeing those things and, and just, you look at what Aiden O'Connell did as a six-year quarterback tonight and, and the way he was able to throw the ball 58 times, be the offense for Purdue. It's just, that is what you expect from Sean Clifford. And and I, I hate to keep bagging on the guy that won the game, but it, it's tough and scored 35 points. Again, scored 35 points. Um, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Corners deserve a huge shout-out. Agreed, James. Uh, we given them some love earlier on the show. If you want to watch on replay uh, and, and get back to those comments, I, people that have been watching the show for a while. We've been discussing those guys jumping routes and the, the number of dropped interceptions that were in this game. This game could have gone very differently. So I know a lot of fans are probably going to be upset with the Manny Diaz defense. And, and there was some leaky run defense, by the way. Uh, 23 carries for 70 yards, but a lot of negative yardage from the uh, the quarterback. And in the end... 15 carries for 57 yards for uh, the starting running back. King Dury. 3.8 yards a carry. Not a, an exceptional night, but it just because O'Connell was so good and that's just enough for that offense, that's the kind of night you were hoping for for Penn State. Um, but th they, they had a couple of opportunities to be better in run defense. And here's one of those situations that I noticed in the game. Manny Diaz loves to stunt. He loves to stunt his players and twist and, and nobody's going to stay in the gap that they started in. So in, in run defense, and I apologize for people that know more, you know, about football and, and, and this is review. You've got your gap, right? In run defense between the center and the guard, the guard, the tackle, the tackle, tight end outside. You've got your responsibility to be in one of those gaps, but, in Manny Diaz's defense, you don't stay in the one you line up in. You're here, you're here, you're here. I'm doing all these. I'm very Italian. I lots of hand motions, um, but you're all over the place. And sometimes what happens is you've got Hakeem Beeman on the edge, setting the edge of a run contain, and he doesn't get out there in time. And then you let the guy outside on a second and seven and he gets 14. So buttoning up some of those things, I don't know that it's it's as bad as it seemed because those are those are not guys getting run over. Those are guys not being in position properly. That can be fixed. I didn't see a lot of guys getting pushed off the ball by by uh, by Purdue tonight. 
Um, Corey says Sean Clifford is golf hits 99 out of hundred terrible shots, but the one sweet stroke brings you back next week. <laughs> that is perfect. That is absolutely. You can't quit him. James Franklin will not quit on Sean Clifford. And I, I don't, has he been rewarded for that? I guess this is the season we'll see. And tonight they were 35, uh, 31, 282 yards, 54% completion percentage, four touchdowns and one interception. Um, getting to some of the uh, questions here. Thankfully, the biggest improvement from most teams between week one and week two. Now, of course, Aristotle's is uh, giving us this this knowledge here. That's correct. There's there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, I've talked with James Franklin before about what would you do if you could do whatever you wanted with college football? And one of the things talked about is a preseason or a scrimmage in the preseason because that you're going in cold turkey and playing a Big Ten opponent and Purdue is a decent Big Ten opponent. So knowing where you need to shore things up, I still think encouragement in the secondary, although Johnny Dixon struggled tonight, um, he's got to clean that up a little bit. You know, that was an area where a lot of those things, he's in position early and then loses it. I, I, I think that they're still good in the secondary. There are some plays that I was a little surprised by. I thought they'd be a little bit more buttoned up, but it is the first game in a new defense. Um, Brian says, love the channel, but this game was brutal. My hopes for the season have been hampered. Coordinators got outclassed. Linebackers are a liability. So is the line in run blocking. I'm sorry you feel that way, Brian. I, I, I was hoping I'm glad. So from this perspective, I'm glad that Penn State won tonight as an analyst, because coming on here and the darkness, if Brian, all of his fears were validated with a loss on top of those things. I understand what you're saying. There's a lot to work on for this team. They can't run the ball. Their offense is frustrating. I think is the right way to put it. Um, and they're, they, they were able to get some big plays to score points, but there were some genuinely decent, cohesive drives. I still am on the board of Mike Yersich can make this work because there are some plays. And this is what I want to go back to when it comes to the passing game. Mitchell Tinsley ran a great route to get open against zone coverage. Uh, similar to the Jahan Dotson play where he goes up and he catches that crazy football against Auburn. Very similar play. And Sean Clifford throws off his back foot because he stepped into a pocket and started to scramble when he didn't need to. And then he backed out of the pocket, doesn't set his feet, throws falling backward, and the ball is two or three yards under thrown. If he just waits in the pocket, just, just patience there, don't pressure, don't press, and then you deliver that football, Mitchell Tinsley has a 100-yard game tonight. That was a big play waiting to happen. There were a lot of big plays that came off the board because of those situations, which is how, again, it's frustrating to say those are those are mistakes that you hope like a, a redshirt sophomore is making. But pocket presence, I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time with that because I'm, I'm that's an important part of playing quarterback. That is a feel thing. And it doesn't seem like it's getting there with Sean Clifford. I want to get to you guys are being super generous tonight. I want to get to everybody. I want to make sure that everybody gets their their love on the show. So I'm I'm scrolling through here. Man, Rob, Rob with this hundred dollars. I gotta know what he what he bet on tonight to uh to get a hundred dollars to donate to the channel. Anyone want to top him, by the way? Like I'll fish for that for sure. Um, we got some more people though that I want to get to. RP50301. Like, is is that a passcode? Giving me $50. I I'll I'm not going to get a tattoo, but uh, maybe we'll put it up on the wall behind me. So thank you, RPR50301. If you are a robot, beep twice. Appreciate you. It's not, yeah, that's what it is. It's like the worst named Star Wars robot. But you're a great person. You're a great human, I'm assuming, for donating to the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. So thank you. Appreciate that. A lot of generous people tonight. Must be feeling good about that Penn State football win. Timothy says Clifford has to go to the bench. Good drive doesn't excuse poor play. Can't deal with this one for the fourth or fifth straight year. This is this is where I'm sitting tonight with you here at 12:52 p.m. 
We'll go a couple more minutes. We'll talk about this a little bit more. I'll dip into my notes if there's anything that's standing out that I ha- we haven't talked about yet. But yeah, do you expect this to work all season? They scored 35 points on, on a Purdue team that, again, coming to this game, I didn't think this Purdue defense was that good. Now, they ultimately got to the place that I expect them to get in terms of points and, and, and winning the game. But the way they got there was interesting. Um, missed tackles, broken plays, a couple of big moments, right? And I guess like you can make that you can make that formula work, but is it going to work in Auburn? Is it going to work down south on the road? I, we'll we'll find out. And that's one thing I, I don't know how good Auburn is this year. Their entire organization is kind of in turmoil at this point with their AD being just let go, which never happens. Um, so we'll see what that team is, and that's obviously the next thing. But let's let's step back for a second and and look at this particular game for what it was. A dangerous opponent on the road, prime time. We all knew this happened. All 800 of us in this chat knew that Purdue was dangerous in this spot. And a lot of Penn State fans just want to dominate, and I get that. I get that. The the team is better, talent-wise. But the way this team is constructed in particular, it just has a hard time being consistent. Uh, And by the way, Joe Bott, doing some work for me in the chat. Appreciate you. Uh, 800 people watching. We're at 294 likes. 500 isn't a big deal. Like, it's just a like button. I mean, somebody donated 100 bucks. You can't hit a like button? Come on. Uh, and by the way, the reason I say that, and the reason I'm pushing that is because I want to get to 10,000 subscribers here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. I'm tired of, of pussyfooting around with this. I'm, I've That's been the goal the whole time, and we need to attract more people. 10,000 people is, is 10% of the people that go to Beaver Stadium. I know that there are enough people out there that both like Penn State football and know what YouTube is. So we're getting there. And the reason the likes are good is because it helps out with one particular thing. The almighty algorithm. So I'm fighting the internet, and I need you in my corner fighting the internet with me. That's why the likes are important. And if you're watching this on replay and you want to donate to the channel, you want to be super generous, like uh, let's pull up uh, Sinister13, you want to donate to the channel, you can use the Super Thanks button. It's just below my face at the bottom there by the Like button, uh, and you can donate that way. I appreciate all of those things, and and I, I genuinely do. So overall tackling looked pretty good for game one. So we, we've got one don't like the tackling. We got one do like the tackling given it's game one. So I think that's a fair place to be kind of ambivalent on this team on this game because it's all over the place. This was such a, a, a schizophrenic game. Um, let's see what else is here in my notes. For the most part, We've covered those things. So if you have any other questions, you have any other comments you want to get on the show, the main things that I wanted to cover, we we have gotten to those. PSU wins the way they won. Everyone is in the exact same spot, Beavertown, is that how do you feel good? Why do I feel so good right now, I think, is the, is the way most people in the chat are feeling. Why do I feel this way? Because it's not exactly great, but it's not exactly terrible. O'Connell looked like a six-year quarterback. Clifford did not take the win. Look forward to Aller. I, I, I think I'm changing my expectation for this year of how much we're going to see Drew Aller. I think that's another thing I'm taking away from tonight. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't anything where somebody got banged up or there's something going on. I think Drew Aller just straight up won the quarterback competition and was the backup. I, I, I'm not going to feed into the conspiracy theory there anymore. He looked good. But like Christian Veyer last year, we have seen four passes. So we'll see. We'll find out. Rotating the running backs way too much, not giving any of them a chance to find consistency. And to give them consistency, here, here's, here's my question. Is it consistency or is it just opportunity? Because here's the reality of running plays. And for a very long time, I have uh, charted run blocking plays where I'm going through and I'm looking at every single player and I am saying, what is the, what is their block? What is their responsibility? It's really hard to perfectly block a run play because it's like an intricate dance, like a ballet, except somebody's trying to kill you while you're doing it. 
So there's all this coordination that has to happen. There's all of this um, symmetry that you need between the offensive line and and the running backs, the the offensive line and the other offensive linemen. It is very hard to properly run block. Now, that's why it's super helpful to have one dude that just takes another human and throws him three yards. But in lieu of that, you need to have a lot of really good run blockers. It's really hard to, in nine plays, how many good opportunities does Nick Singleton have to break off a run? Two? I would say I would say or I would argue that maybe he had two good opportunities to rip off a really good run. One of them went for nine yards. So, yeah, I, I think that you have to condense this a little bit or find another way to make this work. Uh, thank you, Matt, for for donating the channel for the super sticker. Getting everybody here, getting everybody's love on the channel. I think we got everybody else. We still got some some mega donations because uh, Rob is still up there. 100 bucks will get you the prime spot on the show for quite a while. Um, John wants to push back. All you people expecting absolute perfection in game one. Last year doesn't matter. This is a different group of guys. Sixth year doesn't matter. Group of different guys. Um, that's an interesting That's an interesting idea because I agree with part of it. Like You're never going to get perfection in football. And this was a decent Purdue team. I don't know if it was this decent of a team, but they, they have elements that frustrated Penn state. The part that I thought was, was surprising is the secondary did very well. And I didn't think that that was a particularly good part of the game. Now, once Penn state was able to swap out a couple offensive linemen, the pass protection, the pocket stabilized, and you saw a little bit more efficiency. You just need to get that more often. And, and that's going to be my biggest question mark going into game two. Does someone see the bench? Is someone not playing next week because they didn't play well enough? Because previously that has not been an option. That's not been the case. So does the offensive line, do, does that happen? Um, somebody asked me earlier about the freshman playing. And Adam brings up Zane Durant out there for his first game. Great to see him out there. He and Deny Dennis Sutton, not a huge factor tonight, but they both saw the field. So their first game, that's kind of in line with what we were expecting of true freshmen on the off on the defensive line is you're, you're not going to, um, you're not really going to have all these guys make impact right away. And Penn State played a lot of defensive linemen. I was actually happy to see PJ Mustafer play pretty well. Uh, he didn't have a lot of impact plays. He wasn't a large presence in the game, but when he was out there, he was able to hold his own. He was able to hold up at the point of contact. Um, he went unnoticed, but given where he was, that he didn't give up any huge plays and he didn't, uh, you know, as far as we know, didn't re-injure himself. I think that this is a, a good spot for him to be. This is a good starting point, but 426 yards of offense for Purdue is hard to swallow for Penn State football fans. That's there's just that's that's tough. It is a good offense. It's a good offensive scheme. It's all those things. But if you are Penn State and you just hope that you don't put up points in bunches like this, because here's the other thing. Looking at this game again, 21 points in the second in the second quarter. So you went the full first quarter. Nobody scored because everyone wanted to sit on the football. It, it was like boxers at the beginning of a match, just kind of like feeling each other out and then bam 28 points in the second quarter combined between the two teams Penn State had a good run there the turnover was a, a huge help that was a a big play by Zaki Wheatley and then you come into the third quarter and Penn State it, Purdue adjusted and Penn State was frustrated and then finally at the very end of the game Penn State scores 14 points that is that's Eventually, you're not going to get those 14 points at the end of the game. It's going to be 31 to 21. So that's the part I think that that's tough is you go, you get shut out at the beginning and at the third quarter. Now, I'll say Penn State adjusted well, and they were able to get those points in the game and win and get 35. But it is. It's 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 inconsistency that creates the feeling. Broski's in here getting after Joey Porter Jr. Dropped a pick six and had a pass interference. He also, I think, in a lot of ways, saved the game in the second half because that situation, this is always going to be the fact with the corner, especially if, if you're being attacked in a game. Early on, they were attacking 
his side of the field. I don't know if it's specifically him. I just believe that they go where the route and the, the, the play dictates. And that was where it dictated. And he fought back in that game. I, I was very impressed. Let's see if we have anything here in the official stats. Joey Porter, Joey Porter Jr., eight tackles, officially three pass breakups. Penn State had 10 pass breakups in the game. 10. That's a huge number of pass breakups. Uh, let's see. Johnny Dixon had two. Still kind of a down game for him. Uh, Keaton Ellis quietly had a very good game. Three pass breakups, especially there at the end. Uh, I, I think that it's a better game from Joey Porter Jr. I'm always in this position of saying, you know, if you really watch it, Joey Porter Jr. had a good game, but gave up a couple plays, gave up a pass interference. He is what he is, right? He's a long physical corner. He plays tough at the line of scrimmage. He uses his hands. Sometimes he's going to get called for that. But overall, I, you know, I thought that was an area where he was he played well. The linebackers are interesting. I thought there were a couple more errors than I was expecting. New defense. Tyler Elsden was decent. Curtis Jacobs had a couple of, uh, I thought maybe he didn't get over on a couple of fills the way he should, especially Purdue likes to pull. And there were a couple of times that the linebackers didn't fill with the, the run game. And this is where I don't know if in many Diaz's defense, how they want, how they handle those things. But in every other defense, when, when somebody pulls, you've got to fill your gap on the front side of the play where that guy's coming from. And Elsden got caught by a down block and, and Jacobs struggled to uh, get over to the front side of the play happened a couple times, but again, came back, had six tackles. Three of those were solo according to the official uh, record book. So linebackers can improve. It wasn't a clean game from anybody, but it you know you get the win 35-31. And you sit here, if you're me, after a team wins the game, and then you go, man, they didn't play well. So, you know, there is the element of they did win the football game that we do have to then say at the end of all these things. But it was an even game in a lot of ways. You know, just looking through the numbers here. Average yards per play. So how efficient were you? Dead even. Third downs, dead even. First downs, dead even. Penalties, Purdue had more penalties. Penn State had more rush yards. Um, yards per completion. So how efficient was your passing game? Penn State was more efficient. More explosive plays, less average per play. And, and it, it, that's how it was. It was an even game. Tackles for loss were the same. Sacks were almost the same. Fumbles lost. Penn State was the advantage in the turnovers. Uh, uh, in that area. So it was an even game and Penn State made plays at the end and they they were able to win the game. So I think that's where we're going to leave it today for the BWI live post game show. Any final questions? We got Super Shinob. Hi, how you doing? Appreciate you being on the channel. Uh, and thank you to everybody who watched the show tonight. This has been a lot of fun. We do have to cut it off, though, because we got to make sure that everyone gets to bed and that we get up tomorrow and we talk about this even more. I will have a full film breakdown, by the way. I'm going to full film breakdown at bluewhiteillustrated.com so that we can get into all these things, the things that I missed the first time around, give you the narrative of what happened and figure out what was going on in the, in the first and third quarter in more detail to give you the full breakdown tonight is kind of the, the preliminary. Here's what I saw watching the tape and watching on replay on my replay system. So hopefully you want to join me $1 for 12 months of access at blue white illustrated.com. We're going to have that up hopefully tomorrow. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's a long day, long grind on the film, but we're going to get it done. So thank you to everybody here on the channel. You guys have been super great tonight. We're going to have Tom Hannafin back on the show for the Ohio game so that we can have a little bit more dynamic coverage. It's not just me monologuing for 55 minutes because even I'm tired of hearing my voice this, at this point. So thanks to everybody who stuck around. We will be back again on the BWI Daily Edition for Friday with all kinds of great coverage at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 
in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.